meeting number 2502, March 22nd, 2000. Uh, first, I want to say to you guys here and you people out there in audio land how much knowing you individually has meant to me, how much you all mean to me, and you guys in the other cities, California and Oregon, Arizona, New York, Philadelphia, Toronto, you people in Europe, Chicago. Most of you I know, and I mean it concerning you and some of you people, I see your names on the attendance list that I've never met. Uh, as long as you are sincerely involved with it, you can show up down here and find out I'll treat you, you mean as much to me as anybody else. I also get concerned. I get notes from some people out of town and some of you people here, I see it on your face. Uh, and it seems to be more prevalent amongst those who have been around for a while. And it's a kind of frustration. And sometimes I can see it on people's faces and sometimes I can smell it on you. Sometimes I smell an old person for a while, acutely, and then they disappear and I never see them again. And I have never really said anything to somebody when I can smell it, unless they bring up the subject. But I can tell you, if you still find yourself interested in this, uh, being frustrated by it, uh, if I may use technical terms, doesn't mean shit. And I know all about that, because you've got to remember, I can always throw this in your face if nothing else, reminding you of how dumb I am, that I hope all of you are sharper than I am. But I have been involved with this, what I consider to be you know, constantly, for longer than most of you people, or a lot of you people, longer than you've been alive. And so I know all about the frustration, and as I have mentioned to some of you, I can see fairly clearly now, and I can look back in history, and I can see that even historically, some of those people who have claimed that they were fully enlightened, who are assumed to be enlightened by history, I can see it, I can smell it from two or three thousand years away, that they reached that point, and I can't say they gave up, because often they kept on, then they became real teachers, they became more active in the guru department. But I can smell it, I can see it, that they stopped. And I'd never really tried to, to myself read their mind, but I would assume, that knowing how the mind works, that it went something like this, that you should recognize, that they just got so frustrated that they probably decided that they were as awake as anybody could ever get and just to hell with everything else. And then when they began trying to really teach to be some sort of spiritual leader, as soon as people paid attention to them, again, knowing how things go, it is, may I say, all too easy, if you never thought about it, to forget how asleep you are. And I know all about that. If you start talking to other people about how to be awake, how to be enlightened, and a group of people go, ooh, 
and really sit there and laugh it up, you can be a dunderhead. It will help you not notice how asleep you are. So I know how that goes. But I'm telling you, surely, still assuming for my own purposes that I am really denser than all of you people. And I can tell you I got through it. But uh, it hung on me for years and years. A long time. I just, you know, what in the hell is this? Now, I'd had plenty of experience. It wasn't I hadn't had experience of as I used to call it, and as everyone else calls it, those days of being in that absolutely extraordinary state. So I was fully aware of what it was. I was fully aware, as far as I was concerned, what being awake all the time would be. I just couldn't do it. And I about began to decide that nobody could do it, and et cetera. As I have also mentioned on uh, numerous occasions lately, something else, as long as I've started this, that has to do with what I'm talking about, and that I only bring it up to be a possible help to you. I have greater and greater, quote, suspicion that what I even I still call it this, what I call being asleep and what everyone else calls being asleep. Not you people, but historically. Even those that, whose books I used to read and who I believed would, were past living examples of what I was after. I have an ever-increasing suspicion that what they're talking about and what I'm talking about now to you people are two different animals. And I say suspicion in quotation marks as always being concerned that some of you might be offended or take it to. <laughs> well, I'm just trying to slip up on you. And one more time, may I point out, I do not feel superior to anyone in the past. Because all of you should know this from some experience. But you are not awake. You don't understand what's going on. Not only if you feel superior to other people, but if you feel inferior. If you still feel some way about you, you, I'd like to grab you and slap you around for you to know that you are at any time, and it can happen to any of us now. I don't mean it can't happen still to me. But any time you're feeling any way about you, good, bad, up, down, superior, inferior, you are absolutely nothing more than immersed in the, the brain's game of random thinking. In other words, you're asleep. I don't care who you are. You could be a Buddha, a Jesus. I believe all of you know this from experience. I just don't know whether you have ever codified it in your mind or where you can look at it at times when, you're, when you need to and see it that way. So it's not that I feel superior to people. I, it's not, I don't know how awake Buddha was, just using that for instance. I don't really know. I, I know what being awake is, so I, I, I shouldn't have said that. I do know what, assuming that Buddha, used that just an example, was awake, I know what it was. I should put it to you another way. I don't know what his state of sleep was. I don't know what he called being asleep. Him, Jesus, Moses, Confucius, Lao, and 10,000, well, a thousand others that I've run across reading, plenty of them described 
what they saw as being asleep, and it all has much in common. And so everyone, including me at one time, when you first read about it, you adopt it. But if you hadn't thought about it, it's true with anything else. If you start reading, studying mathematics or philosophy as a discipline, what have you read the first textbook? Say you were studying it in college. What have you read in uh, philosophy 101 that laid the groundwork of philosophy or psychology? Uh, you would never, being an ordinary person, you've become an expert in the field, but you would never get over the foundation that was laid out to you. Assuming it was a, a textbook that was in common usage wherever you lived. If it was the United States and you went to a legitimate college and you studied psychology, sociology, the first book you ever read, probably in 101, or at least the major textbook in grad school, but probably 101, whatever it laid out as being, these are the foundations of psychology, of sociology. This is what a sociologist does. This is the way we look at life. These are the aims of a sociologist. You would never get over that. That is, you, you accept that as the framework in which sociology exists. What I ran across, what Buddha ran across, what you ran across that ever got you going that described, I'll go ahead and say asleep, the most common usage, that man is asleep. He is not as conscious as he could be. Then whatever book you read, assuming it was part of the, if you know what I mean, mainstream mystical literature that was not really, well, it was just the mainstream mystical literature. <laughs> if you read that, then it seemed to make sense to you. I am telling, and it made sense to me as soon as I read about it. Just as soon as I read about it, I can still remember it. And I thought, well, this is it. I wasted the first 15 or 16 years of my life looking, but now it is. Here it is, just in a, a sentence. Uh, I have put it this way to you in the last year uh, in a news item, that being awake <coughs> is the same for everybody, but everyone's state of sleep is individual. Now, I know that, but then... What I've just said, can you put it together, is whatever you have adopted, whatever you first read about, assuming you're the archetypical case that was one book or one teacher or one lecturer somewhere that hit you, if it wasn't that, it was a combination of a few in the beginning, but let's say it was one, you read it, and if chances are you're still suffering under it. You're still laboring within that framework. I am telling you, I see... I have graver and graver suspicion. Pretty soon, if I say this again, I'm going to take away the quotation marks around suspicion. And if I say it a time after that, I'm going to change the word suspicion to what it is. But taking into account you people's delicate sensibilities, <laughs> I have grave suspicion. You want to do it one more time? So then. <laughs> What has historically been referred to by people I admired, by people who very likely, for all I know, were as awake as can be, because there's only one awake. But I am telling you, their view of being asleep, that is, once they began to write about it, let's assume that, they'd even, that they had already been awake enough times to know what it was, and then began to write about it, to lecture about it, to teach about it. What they described as being asleep, nowadays to me, is almost a foreign species. I hear it very well because I worked under it 
for years and years. But if you look back now, and by the way, I have an amusement, a potentially instructive amusement I've been saving, and this would be a prime time, is assuming all of you had at least one important mystical type book, or philosophical book, spiritual book, whatever you want to call it, in your past. Go back and read it. Go back and pick it up now, assuming it's been 10 or 15 years at least. And I don't mean to be, you're not going back to look at it critically or sarcastically. Just go and pull it back out and sit down and start reading it and just watch. At any rate, everybody, with very few exceptions, just taking the literature about waking up, going all the way back is about the oldest we know about is the so-called Vedic writings, which we're covering a good 4,000 years, supposedly, all the way from that right up to the latest uh, translation of Zen or Sufi literature today. When they talk about enlightenment, when they talk about being awake, when they talk about being part of the kingdom of heaven, when they talk about being one with the Creator, it doesn't matter what Sufi literature, fourth way, Zen, all sorts of Buddhism, all sorts of uh, the Vedic writings of all types. When they talk about the end result, and I don't mean to leave out Confucianism, Taoism, Tantric Buddhism, everything. When they talk about what it is to be enlightened, what do they say? It is always on the basis that being enlightened makes it then possible. The reason that they hold it up as, a, as the most admirable goal, admirable goal for a person is that once a person is enlightened or awake, they then have the full recognition to tell right from wrong. That's the most common. Now, I read that 40 or 50 years ago, and I'm sure it sounded all right. It does not sound all right. Well, do you know what I'm saying? That's got nothing to do with what I mean when I talk about being asleep. Normally with you people, I say nowadays, I usually just kind of do it as a throwaway line that if behavior is still your problem, then you sure are f far behind. But that is always the basic description of the payoff for achieving enlightenment. That finally, and I'm just starting making, I'm putting together you know, a lifetime of reading of that stuff from every corner of the globe, that they would say that with enlightenment, a, a man's soul is opened, he then clearly sees for the first time right from wrong. He then realizes how he should live his life. He understands then the responsibilities to his family, to his community, to his fellow man. Uh, he then understands and is able to pursue honest dealings with his fellow man. He is able to be truthful in his business affairs. He is able to be a good neighbor. None of that has anything whatsoever to do with what I call being asleep or being awake. Nothing. Nothing. And if you never think about it, do I ever mention it? But I'd never thought to even mention it, that I don't mention it that much in this kind of detail. <laughs> and I'm bringing this up, I repeat again, not 
Now, I'm not even saying anything about me, and I'm not doing this just to point out that my view of it is now completely almost of a different species. I'm saying it for you that I found that of practical use. And I believe that some of you might not feel so frustrated if you could get past the kinds of, and they're still there, believe me, to varying degrees, but they're still there, the kind of mental framework in which you think about what we're sitting here doing now, that you listen to me, and I say being asleep, being awake, and it registers in some particular way to you. And I'm telling you, you do not know what being asleep is because I don't either. I know what being awake is. Of course, I know what being asleep is. Being asleep is when you're not awake. But tell us more. No, I don't want to lie. <laughs> I just almost lied then. <laughs> of course, I've got it down better than that. I know the difference between being awake and being asleep. But it's hard for me to tell you. It's real easy for me to put in words. It's either I like what I'm doing or I don't. It's got nothing to do with me treating my fellow man. I don't even think about it as, you know, am I awake? You know, for years and years, and I'm not laughing at it because I don't know how else you could go about it. But for years and years, it was this constant thing about, you know, am I awake? Am I observing? Am I here? That's not even necessary. I'm just aware that, you know, I feel like, for the moment, and I know what caused it. I can stand a stomachache. I can stand things worse than that. But by God, I can't stand being asleep, as I call it. But as I said, when I say asleep now, I guess we could take all the great, I'm talking about the great ones, and I don't feel superior. I don't mean I'm right and they're wrong. Hmm. Anyway, I don't, well, at any rate, I don't feel superior. <laughs> but we could take all the great mystics of history are the ones on this planet right now. And I, I feel no animosity. I feel no criticism toward them because I can't help them. I don't have anything to criticize. But if I had them all lined up, all the way from Zarathustra on down to whoever's the latest, somebody that might make good sense, you might listen to them and go, well, he's talking about, about the same stuff you are, more or less. We could take it all the way from there to somebody contemporary. And I'm telling you, I'll, I'll drop the suspicion. I'm telling you what. When I, when I say asleep and awake, but especially asleep, I should leave it at that. When I say about being asleep, what I'm talking about is not what they're talking about. What they're talking about is behavior. What they're talking about are their operations that are going to flow directly from subcortical levels anyway. They're still talking about being civilized. Of course, that gets kind of tricky because I can say, and many of you are, but I can say that I'm perfectly civilized. Somebody can leave out their money, their you know, tools in their yard outside. Nobody has to lock their door. Nobody has to lock their wife up for me. But if you don't know the truth, and I don't offend people, I don't insult people, but if you don't know the truth, I assume some of you understand this, it's an absolute sham. That is, I'm not sincere with it. You understand that? Because now I'm talking about not being asleep. But it's not what they're talking about. Those guys could hear me say that and say, well, wait a minute. You're denying what you start off saying because that's exactly what we're talking about. <laughs> that you strive to be awakened so that you can be honest. 
I'm not bragging because some of you should understand this. I have never felt the need not to be honest. I've been too busy trying to wake up, be one way to put it. That's not really it. I just never have. It has not been my problem. And so I didn't have to wake up to achieve all the things that they say, if you will spend your life and you're lucky enough to achieve enlightenment, then you will understand how to live your life. But you, you do know when they say how to live your life, that is, how to get along with your wife or your husband, how to get along with your children, how to get along with your neighbors, uh, how to put up with the idiots of the world and the government, all that stuff. That hadn't been, I, it's never been my problem. It has never been my problem. Maybe, I, I'll give them this, maybe that was my problem up until I was 15. As soon as I found out about being awake, trying to wake up, that's been my only problem. Well, I've got to tell the truth, way back then, that and how to get beer on Sunday. But <laughs> it wasn't anything to do with behavior. I'm telling you this to try and get you to look at what I'm pointing to. Being awake has nothing to do with behavior. I'm going to tell you what. Nothing you can do has anything to do with being with behavior. And believing otherwise is what? It's what I'm saying. That's being asleep. And they say, well, that's the very thing we're struggling to wake up about. And I say, wait a minute. You've got to be that awake to start with, to be asleep enough, as I call it, to ever start. <laughs> well, well, good. Now, now I think we, we're all on the same page. So you do hear me. It's not brag. But it's to realize that you've got to be that awake to start. Now, this is me. And when I say my view, and I don't mean that I'm speculating I could be wrong or right. I'm telling you what I see now. When I say being asleep, I'm talking about something else. And if you're trying to follow it, and if those of you still here, we'll assume by your presence that you are, I'm telling you that you're, you're wasting your time. And I won't say hurting yourself, but you know what I mean. I don't mean it literally, but you're wasting time and energy if you don't consider what I'm saying, that you're still thinking within the framework of that, which I'm saying, I don't even mean that. When I say being asleep, I bet if I could read your minds, what the thoughts that pass through your mind when I start off about being asleep, and most of what I'm saying, I'll bet you that if, I, if we could show it up on a blackboard, if we could take the thoughts running through your mind and had a machine that would flash them on the wall, all of you, most of the time, or a lot of the time, and I'm talking along, and let's say that, you, that you're giving me your full mental attention, so that what's running through the sentences, the movie, or at least the ticker tape, running through your head is being triggered by what I'm saying. So it's tracking in some way, it's a reaction to it. I back could look at it, and we could stop it constantly, and we have yours flashing up, and I could point out what I'm saying, that you're thinking really about behavior. That is not what I'm talking about. And you can say, well, I'm trying to think about what you're talking about. And then I could point at that and go, no, I'm not talking about that either. I'm not talking about thinking about what I just said. Since apparently I'm not going to read anyway what I wrote. Let me tell you, you know, another way that's come to mind. I've been trying to encourage you, I was the last time we were talking, to... 
or that I had found most helpful is I just a continuing questioning to myself, looking at, just turning and looking at my own head, not outside, not looking at family, community, politics. If I ever think of that, I'm fast asleep. I'm just saying it's stuff I don't even think about such as that. All I think about is me. And everything I know, assuming if I know anything, I'm gonna point this out to you. Everything, if I do know anything about all of this, every damn thing I know, I got from me. <laughs> I didn't start off that way, and there were people. I, I have a warm spot in my heart. As bad as much as I, you may think I badmouth books and writings and how lame they are, but they were some of the past. I could look at a few books I've read in my life and look at them and almost choke up. I almost want to pick up the book and hold it to my breast. But I'm going to tell you what. If I do know anything now, which I'm just beginning to actually know something finally, I'm going to tell you what. Everything I know now, if I know anything, I got from me. Every damn bit of it. There's not a piece of this whether it's making sense to you nowadays. But I have, I'm not telling you anything that I ever got anywhere. And that's why I was bringing up that I can take almost everything I've ever read, almost everything I thought up until the last fairly recent future, or present, past. When is this? I can't remember. <laughs> Every time I ask when is this, one of you always says, you know, November or some shit. And I don't mean what much. I mean, you know, is this the present, the past? I, sometimes I get lost where I <laughs> that's when I know I'm in good shape. <laughs> now I know you people are not because I see some of you look frightened like, God damn, is he serious? <laughs> and I think you're behind. <laughs> you're out of sync. <laughs> At any rate, uh, I was encouraging to look at the mind on your own. Uh, because at any rate, I always knew this in theory. I always knew this for certain, but now I really know it, and that is that you know nobody else can wake you up. I always knew that. I never did like it, because I always thought, well, hell, well, I was always assuming it wasn't true. I was hoping it wasn't true, because I thought, well, if, it, if I'm incorrect, then why didn't I go out and look harder? Why didn't I go find somebody? Anyway, back to the point. I'm telling you, it's what you get on your own. And all of you have had the experiences enough by now. You just forget it. They come and go. But the, the very things are some that you've had things, experiences and things, as far as you're concerned, that you've seen, that you now know, you keep forgetting when you fall back into thinking. But things you know, you got them from you. Something may have triggered it, something I said, something you read in a book. But sooner or later, you're going to see. And it's not a matter of egotism, and finally you forget, really, whether you got it here or there or anywhere, because if you get to that point, you don't have anything anyway. It's a matter of gradually losing it, everything you know. I was going to give you another view of the mind and how it operates now. And I'm telling you, the, when I say asleep, and I talk about the normal state, the reason I brought up that first 30 minutes for us in general is I want you to understand. I don't want you to think and feel frustrated that you're losing track or that I'm getting you know, 
either so far ahead of you or above you or else I'm losing contact with you. You're just not trying. I'm telling you that you're still thinking primarily about you in the state about being asleep, being ordinary, the thing we're struggling against, call it being asleep, that you're still thinking about it in ways that are no longer profitable. And so what I was trying to encourage you, if it, I was hoping to make a little more sense after all of this preface that I mentioned last time, when I was trying to describe it and I wasn't satisfied, is I just undertook a con an ongoing, just continual, of just trying to, so to speak, look up in my head. And there it was, I was asleep, as I always call it. In other words, I just suddenly came to my senses. And I would ask myself, more or less this, I had to put in words to you, but I'd ask myself, you know, what's going on? And of course, yeah, I go, well, I'm just asleep. And I kept repeating, and it made sense, and it seemed to help me. I just made, I was just repeating to myself something I had read years ago, something I'd read that got me started, something that I felt, I never stopped to analyze at the time, but I felt as though it would have been blasphemous, it would have been self-defeating to even question it, because it made perfect sense and kept me going. It seemed to be a beautiful description. I, so I'd look up and you know, what, what in the hell am I doing? Well, you're asleep, you son of a bitch. Yeah. You weren't remembering yourself. You weren't observing yourself. You were not keeping control of your attention. Yeah. You were asleep. Okay, all right. I'm telling you, I did that for years and 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 well, I lost track. And years 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 and years, somewhere in there. But then after some other experiences, when I would then look at what's going on, it wasn't on the base, I would no longer accept for you're asleep, yeah. But then I started on, well, what is being asleep? And for a while, I would answer that, but all I was doing was answering something I'd read that seemed to make sense before, and I would, eat, I would answer it by describing characteristics. Well, being asleep, and then it was simply self-fueling, I'd say, well, what being asleep is when you forget that you're asleep. And I think, well, by God, that wraps it up. And, you whistle and go back to sleep and go on down the street until the next time you thought about it. I kept on and on. And it got to the point as I was discovering stuff constantly. And I can still do it. Because everything I bring to you is not old stuff that I did a long time ago. I can go out for a walk. I can sit down in front of the typewriter. And if I don't watch it, as I said, hell, I'll sit there and write 50 pages and think, what the shit am I going to do with this? about some new take on it, some new description. I was going to give you another one because I kept looking and, not, and I wouldn't just take it as, well, I'm asleep. And I tried to carry you along, encourage you. At times then I would go into, on several occasions, and one, once recently, as I told you, I would then say, well, never mind this, I'm asleep. I understand what that means. I believe if Buddha himself was sitting here, we could both, we could hear somebody talking about what it is to be asleep and me and him, we just met, and we could look at each other and just barely have an eyelid quiver between us that we'd both know what that means, whether the speaker knew or not. But given that, I still realize nobody knows what it means because you've got to be asleep to tell yourself what it means. 
So then I tried such things as this, as I started to point out, is I would undertake a study, a restudy, a reconsideration of the actual anatomy, physiology, morphology of the brain, of the nervous system, but particularly of the brain, and to go back and refresh myself, come up to date, find out the latest findings, and read about it. And I don't even want to go to details. I, well, I didn't feel it was all that successful last time I did it with you people. So I kept encouraging, go do it on your own. Go get a goddamn book out and just trust me. Sit there and start reading about the brain and don't let me tell you exactly what I did or what to do. Just read about the brain. I don't know how many of you did. Some of you seem to got something out of it. But that was still my ongoing attempt to understand in a different way what is being asleep. I can look at being asleep. Because being asleep is obviously this, what mystics have always so comfortably, confidently called, well, being asleep. Well, there's one thing for sure. Nobody ever points this out, but I realized this years ago. I, that may be where me and everyone else began to diverge. This being asleep is man's ordinary state. Everybody on this planet, the same ordinary people running, as they call it, this planet. They're in the state that mystics call being asleep. But mystics always refer to it, without exception, as an error. <laughs> that something has happened to man. Just between me and you, parenthetically, I always hope to myself that surely a Buddha now and then, <laughs> an Abraham... Muhammad the third, somebody, in, surely some of them, they, they realize well, that's not true. But at any rate, if you're going to go by the accepted canons, the honorable history of mysticism, all the writings, notice this. It's always on the basis that things are wrong. And at the simplest level, as I said, it's still on the basis that things are wrong with man's behavior. But if you take like... Uh, Confucius, if you take his writings, they are at least half the time, historically, the last 2,500 years, have been taken to be a critique and an answer to the critique, but of man's behavior. There are those, if you've never read it, I found it, as I used to, pleasurable to look at something that realize that the rest of the world at that time, there's very little to my knowledge, when I picked it up, very little uh, notice of it being a metaphorical, I'm sure people had, but of a, a metaphorical interpretation of it. But to realize it was taken as being a directive to how a society should be run. How uh, those in inferior positions should treat those in superior positions, how kings, how rulers, shoguns, now they weren't called that but then, but kings, should be running their country, the kind of responsibilities and tributes that the people should be paying. But I've never had any trouble. I pick it right up and realize they're talking about, the man was talking about being asleep and waking up instead of using terms about I and the mind and et cetera. He was talking about kings and the population. It was just clear as hell to me because I wasn't interested in how to run a government. I'm not interested in a civics lesson, but I saw what it was. At any rate, still what I was pointing out to you, without exception, at least the major mystical movements, 
are all based upon the fact that something's wrong. And at the crudest level, it's something is wrong with man's behavior. But even when it's taken to a slightly higher level, a more potentially meaningful level, it's still on the basis that something is wrong with man individually, internally, that each man is flawed. Man is asleep. Man is living in a world of shadows. Man is living in a mental world wherein he does not have clarity of vision. He sees everything distorted. He sees everything being skewed by virtue of this flaw. All right. A long time ago, and it, I saw it just instantly. It was no big deal, and it took a long time to have a great effect on me for it to be useful. But I realized, I just looked around, and I realized that was not true. And I was, I was fairly young. That didn't take a long time. I realized that is not so. I'd already been trying to talk to people. I'd already been an observer and reading. But I realized that this state I accepted as soon as I read about man believes he's fully conscious, but actually men are, are in a state of low-level sleep. Most of their life, their inner life is bad of dreams, but through certain efforts they can awaken. As soon as I read it, I accepted it. That was true. I was no more question. That's what I had been looking for. And I accepted it. It made, it answered everything for me right then. But very shortly after that, I looked around and realized, because the same place I read it, it was on the basis, as I just said, I didn't stop and specify, but it's on the basis that uh, you're flawed. That men are not operating as they should be. And every system has some vague, if not specific, uh, proposed cause of this. I looked around and realized, all right, I still called it being asleep. But I looked around and realized this is not some flaw, this is not some anomalous state just afflicting people like me and whoever it was I read, me and Buddha and Jesus and I looked around and I just realized it was clear as hell, this is man's ordinary state. Now you can go ahead and say man's flawed, but then the flaw is the norm. At any rate, I realized it wasn't true. And I understood immediately, it was no big deal. And I understood why someone said that. And I also understood that whoever said that didn't even understand as much as I did, which was kind of the beginning of the end. Well, I realized there was people who were the heroes and people I had thought I admired already and that knew something. But as long as you believe that something is wrong with man's state, forget his behavior. We're not talking about something is wrong socially if the guy next door to you is a serial killer and there's a list on his outside his door and you're next in line. <laughs> well, anyway, even if you're not next in line, if the man's a serial killer, if he's, a, if he's an impulsive or compulsive lawnmower thief, no, we can say he's flawed, but he's socially flawed. So you know I'm not talking about that. That's what most mysticism talks about. But at any rate, you're not internally flawed. Because the people, the norm on this planet is the state that mystics call being asleep. So at any rate, what I was trying to encourage you to do that I didn't have a, I refrained from writing about specifically because I sort of hate to. <coughs> But I have just, for a long time, I, then I undertook it was just a running, and, and I didn't have any big problem. It wasn't to sit down and study it. I could just look up, and almost every day, to tell you the truth, almost any time I'd look up, 
in my head, but at least every day I could come up with a new, again, not figuring, I could just suddenly look and it would come to me that here is another description of being asleep. Here is another way in which the state of being asleep can be seen not only as being the norm, but to be seen as to why it's this way. That one I've never written about. I've talked about it just in bits and pieces, but I found this, and I still find it. I could come up with something in addition to this, springing out of this. But consider this. Now, what I call being asleep, and I've told you in some detail, what I call being asleep is thinking when it's not in my control, when I am not specifically, I have not directed it. Did you know, surely know what I mean, that you feel like, well, it's me thinking, that you're aware of it. That mechanical rehashing of your life. And that's what I call it. That's the way I describe it. If it's not true with you, I don't know what we're going to do. I don't know why you're still here. This mechanical running, and I've dissected it many times, and I can poke at it. And obviously, in the tone of my speech, make it sound as though, boy, do I, well, I've even said, you know, I despise it. I can't stand it. What a waste of time. How annoying. Yeah. And then I do point out, I mean that mostly for theatrical and dramatic purposes. It's not like it's driving me crazy. Of course, to tell you the truth it is, I just keep it bottled up. <laughs> Been able to contain myself thus far. I don't know how much longer we'll be able to do this until I explode. But at any rate, <clears throat> pardon me. I think, well, I think I'm all right for the rest of the night. Well, for the, for the rest of my comments. <laughs> Going to the clock, it's only, if I can hold out 12 more minutes. <laughs> but see, here is what I find going on in my thinking. My brain, your brain, produces what we call thinking. It doesn't even we call it the mind, I know, but... It produces thinking. There's an electrochemical activity going on, which is going on throughout our bodies. An area of the brain in which this takes place results in thinking, what we call thinking. And it goes on constantly. And if you are not specifically involved with directing that thinking toward a problem, toward, by problem in the, but to some goal, to some end, if you're not doing it, the thinking goes on anyway. And if you're not aware that's going on, you're what we call being asleep, but you don't know you're asleep because you're fully asleep. And if you could stay that way, there'd be no problem. You'd be like everybody else. They're not bothered by it. You point it out to them, they go, well, yeah, so what? And they're back asleep. They are the norm. We're the anomalies. I am. I'll speak for me. Right, what do I find in that thinking? I have detailed it some, but I won't do it again, and I'm going to bring you to a new place with this, a new model. I find a great deal of it is repetitions of past occurrences, past episodes, sometimes no more than perhaps one line of dialogue between me and another person. Sometimes a scene may take two or three seconds for whatever was said and done 
but with me it mostly, it almost always carries with it some verbalization. Many times it's a scene that took place and now my reliving of the event and I'm aware of it is my brain relives the event and puts words in my head, if not my mouth, that I don't know that occurred. I certainly didn't say them, but now this scene replays itself that maybe so-and-so, some person, I remember they, they say to me, blah, 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 blah. And in this scene that just takes, you know, how it goes, I assume you do, just to, I, I can't believe any of them last longer than a couple of seconds. But in that that I've watched all these years, that it doesn't matter. I know I didn't say anything. I don't, I, and I don't believe I thought what I'm now thinking in my replay of this scene that my brain brings it up. But if the person goes, bye, 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 then this time I go, nah, da, 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 da. I used to call it reconstructing the past, remodeling the past. And psychology is aware of this. They look at it again as being a form of at least neuroses, if not real mental pathology that we are inclined to replay the past, to remember the past with us in the most favorable light. But they treat as though you should watch that. You know, I don't treat it as you should watch that finger wagging. I treat it as I got to watch it because I will figure out what the hell is going on. Because I was already years ago aware that psychology had their answer to that was, well, you're trying to work out some traumas from your past, you know, from your childhood and how you're mistreated. As much as I, if you guys don't remember, I know that I sound like sometimes I badmouth psychology. I found books on psychology before I did mysticism. I fell in love with psychology, I don't know, two or three weeks, two or three months. It was short, it was about the same time I discovered philosophy. But I fell in love, I thought, psychology, this is it. Now that's before I found my first book, Zen or Sufi, whatever it was I found, I don't care to be specific. But before I found the idea about man's asleep, as soon as I found out there was such a thing as psychology, I thought this is it. You know, get me out of the sixth grade, I'm ready for college. This is what I want to study, I don't need anything else. And I started getting every book I could get my hands on. I don't, like I said, a couple of weeks maybe. And I realized this is going nowhere. These people, they don't know what they're talking about. They know what they're talking about is saying, here's our interest. Here, and they would list a syllabus in the front. Here's the purpose of this textbook. And I'd go, good, good. And I'd look, yes, my kind of question. So I'd turn to chapter one, and they're talking about how many rats learn how to press cheese levers. <laughs> I did press on a little bit and got into Freudian psychology, which is all the psychology really that amounted much then, that and Jungurian, but Freudian psychology, but the whole idea that there were things in your subconscious and mental things you had to work out. At any rate, as far as I was concerned, and I, I've proved myself right, still as far as I'm concerned, uh, when I started looking and trying to look at my thinking and the idea of why do we, why do, why do I remember things in a way that they didn't happen? What I'm trying to tell you is I very shortly, in fact, I never entertained it. I read about it, I realized I knew how important Freud was at that time, and I knew the impact that psychology was having worldwide. This is talking about in the 50s. And as soon as I read that they were already, the people were examining questions like that, about isn't it funny how our memory will trick us? 
<clears throat> and then, of course, they decided it's not hard to do when they would question other people. Psychologists didn't question themselves. Now, nobody studies themselves. They study other people. Unless they find that rats couldn't talk. <laughs> and that baboons, if they could, the only thing they had to say was, fuck you. <laughs> well, I've described that. Be I've explained that before. <laughs> they got over very quickly using baboons as primate experiments. <laughs> Baboons would only get shocked by a lever once and tear the lab apart. <laughs> That's something I never pursued. I've always found that mildly interesting. I, of course, I, I got to tell you that I have changed history a little because my memory of this, I know I've changed it a little, but I've told it before and I still like it. It's one of those things this way it should have been. That once psychology got past white mice and decided, well, let's, let's really move, let's move up. You know, this is the 1950s, this is the 20th century, and their big breakthrough was to go from mice to primates. Still, I kept waiting with this, has any psychologist ever sat down, you know, and thought? Like, I kept waiting. I'm not the first one, obviously, to think this, but I kept thinking, or waiting, did, was there ever a meeting that somebody was a philosopher and a psychologist and went, wow, wait a minute. You know, never mind rats and chimpanzees. I'll look at me. Of course, the truth is, David Hume and a bunch of others did try. And they, they never used words like being awake, but they did try and examine. And some of those guys, if you never read them, 200 years ago, up to date, still did a better job than psychologists have done up to date at any rate. But all they were doing was what I ended up doing, except I was then tied up with the idea about being awake. They were just trying to understand the nature of the mind, as they called it. And they didn't have loud rats. If they had rats back then, they killed them. <laughs> you know, they didn't bring them in the house and experiment. You know, the David Humes, the sons of guns, I got to give them credit, would go sit in a chair and try and look at their mind. They didn't go out and talk to other people. Well, I'm sure they did. But uh, the point was, they weren't out with a clipboard taking statistical information off college students and other people that needed a couple of bucks to answer questions. <laughs> Pack of smokes. At any rate, where was I getting to? That nobody directly examined the mind. But where did I leave off? Too many detours tonight. I was going to give you another view of the mind, another model of the mind, that I, I kept trying to look, well, basically what I was saying, I didn't completely lose it, I was just trying to figure out the last word I said five minutes ago, and sometimes I can't do it, in case you didn't realize it. I was going to pick up the sentence where I left, but I was going to describe to you that I just continued to look in a way that I hate to be more specific, because I didn't put it in any particular words to me, but I kept looking, what is this state that I always call being asleep? that I have known for most of my mystical life that I've been trying. I knew it's not an abnormal state, and I knew that such things as uh, my memory, my brain bringing up memories and not having them accurate, that is where I now say or think things that I didn't then. Uh, what I was going to say specifically was that I immediately, almost after I read, discounted, at least in my case, and shortly I discounted in everybody else's case once I began to understand things better. But anyway, I discounted that it was because of psychological problems I was having, that I had sub subconscious traumas and problems to work out that made me remember the past incorrectly and put me in the best light. 
It's obvious that I did it, that my brain, my memory would remember instances where I got in the last word. <laughs> now we got somebody to know. What's the French term of stare talk? Do you know the term? You don't know it? It literally means uh, stare, S-T-A-I-R. It's what you remember once you leave the party and you're going down the stairs. It's what you should have said. Except there's a French term that's been used since... Uh, Anyway, it's a beautiful. They, they had exactly because it's just, it's what you remember once you're out the door. You know, everybody's done it and you're leaving. You know, going down to the car and you think, shit, what I should have said. You think about some conversation that really got, you know, testy or got literarily complex. And you got stumped. Somebody topped you. And now you realize, well, if I'd turn around and then said, yeah, but if Jonathan Swift had been there, we would have had children for entrees. God, but now you're staying out there on the stairs is the point. You're outside and the door's been closed. You think, oh, <laughs> at any rate, I, I realized as far as I was concerned, without any doubt, I just knew it, that I did not, back then I was still thinking I, that I did not reconstruct the past. I would not remember an instance that happened with some girl that I asked out for the junior prom and what she said to me and how embarrassing I felt, how humiliated. And now six months later, you know, I see her and she's, you know, got acne or, anyway, I see her and a whole scene comes back. And now I remember it, except now I remember in my head the stare talk that she said, you know, whatever it was, you know, I'm sorry, but I don't think I would go with you under any, whatever it was. And now I think, well, blah, blah, blah. I knew I did it. And I was reading there in psychology that they were aware of it, that people constantly would remember things not in an exact manner, but in a way that put them in the best light. <laughs> but then psychologists said, and this is because of, and then they started talking about subconscious traumas, subconscious influences, problems still to be worked out with their parents. Well, I, I read that, and I understood what they were it, anyway, I understood it pretty readily, even in my teen years. But then I immediately almost realized that's not true with me. I also, as I said, I understood it's, in a sense, it's not true with everybody else. But if you think it is, it is. So never mind. But I realized that explains nothing. That is not what's going on. I am not working out problems. It just happens. It's there. There's no disputing it. It's there. And according to these textbooks, Everybody, it's in everybody's head. So I already knew I wasn't that weird. A new model. I've used up all the, well, some other time. All right. If you've got a few minutes. What I found, go back to where I was, believe it or not, that a large part of the thinking that just goes on that I suddenly catch myself and realize I was asleep, as I used to call it. So what's going on when I'm asleep? When I have disappeared into thinking that there is no I. Not even the illusion. I'm gone. So after years and years and years of practice and anyway, a large part of it is a replaying of past occurrences and they are not by any means accurate, and I'm aware of it, but there it is. Another large part is that the other end of the temporal spectrum is you're, re you're playing scenes 
playing them out, like rehearsing them in your mind of what is going to happen in some upcoming circumstance. You know, playing with the future, imagining it. The only thing that's left that seemed to be an adequate description that I can convey to you, and I'll leave it to you to check for yourself, is between those two is just a constant mental activity, and I'm getting to my new model I present to you, that is a continual rehashing of information, and at times it passes for analyzation of the information and stimuli from your past, from your present, and even apparently sometimes right now, but it's always after the fact, it's a few seconds late. But what does all of that do other than say, well, that's a form of sleep. That's being asleep. Yeah, 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 I've known that. But what might, you know, what could be its purpose? What else could be going on? What's another view of it? One that I have found of great use, and as I said, I could still milk it today. I could come up with whole new models out of this one. But, but here's what it does. Here's one of the ways to look at it. That continual activity that mystics, including me, for years so, so easily and confidently say, well, that's being asleep. Being asleep is the very thing I'm fighting against. You know, case closed. Nothing more need to be said. I realize it was not an anomalistic state. I realize it was not a flaw. But what is it? What does it do? I'm telling you, I can see from one quite valid view that neurologically, physiologically, it serves a real purpose, a beneficial purpose. What is that purpose, you ask? It maintains the illusion of you. It is the constant maintenance of it. It's the brain seeing to it. How about this? One of Freud's great books, wasn't it the, the Interpretation of Dreams? I got a new one. Here's your interpretation of dreaming. From this model, what is dreaming? It is the brain seeing to it that tomorrow when you wake up, does anybody already got it? By you dreaming all night. And do you ever dream and you're not in the dream? Not hardly. <laughs> it is the brain seeing to it that even after eight hours of being somewhat off duty, that when you wake up, you still have that coherent sense of you. There is the interpretation of dreams. Do I have to put it the other, the alternative picture? Assuming that you get a grasp of my uh, original description of the model, that all of this garbage going on, I can call it garbage and this automatic, this yammering going on and on, replaying my past, yeah, 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 yeah. I don't have to, yeah, I'm not interested in getting the final word. I'm not interested in looking better in these past events. I have no interest in that personally. There's nobody I want to meet that I want to get the best of. There's nobody I want to get even with in life. Not even close. It doesn't even exist. It's, it's nothing. And yet, my brain does this. I don't do that. My brain, in this electrical chemical activity, it's continually replaying. If I'm, if I'm not doing something about it, which is hard to do, if I'm not doing something about it, my brain, a large part of the time, 
is rehashing my life, replaying my life, fine-tuning it, making me look better, making me behave in a, in a, in a more clever manner. My, my responses are nothing but an endless string of boomahs, or boomahs. And I am con or my brain is continually bringing up potential future events, some of them threatening, some of them potentially dangerous, some of them perhaps potentially profitable, and me, my brain giving out pictures and things of me talking, how I'll handle this, what I'll do. My brain rehearsing, rehearsing what I'll say, what I'll do, and it may never come to pass. And it could be that I could look at it from one view and say, that's not really me. There's not much chance that that same situation that my brain just pictured, just conjured up, when that happens, if it does, and I'm under those circumstances, based upon what I know about me, there's a slim chance of me doing, of me saying what I just said that my brain made me say. If I remembered it, if I planned to beforehand and didn't lose track of what I'm doing, I could say it. It's not that it's something shocking or embarrassing, but I know that under ordinary circumstances, that is my brain running me, running my thinking, running my tongue in the state of sleep. What my brain just pictured of this upcoming event, this potential event, and what I said, I won't say. So what's the purpose? And again, I could have said, well, you're just asleep. There is no purpose. That's what being asleep is. Ah. This constant yammering, this constant garbage, this constant replaying of the past, this constant fine-tuning and tweaking of the past, this practicing for future. Do you see what it does? When I saw it, it's just clear as hell. It establishes this coherent. You understand what coherent means in physics? Well, it's this unending. It's this 60-year-old, 70 years, whatever you live, it is this unbroken, by and large, if it gets broken, that's when you're mentally ill, from a psychological view, as they call it. But it is an unbroken, continual sensation of there being a you, and it's based on nothing but thought. You take away thought, and none of us have a you. There is no I. There is no Paulette, there is no Bob, there is no Sam. Only in your thinking does it exist. You know, one of the oldest, uh, one of the real old ones that was brought over here, some of you know, uh, gained a wide, great deal of popularity once it was translated into English, uh, taken from older ideas that the manifestation, the easiest to observe about the state of sleep was a man's endless string of eyes that man has no permanent eye and that no one realizes it. And when I first read that, it was very shortly after I read about man's asleep. Is I ran across this? And I thought, God damn, these people have got it nailed. I didn't know it. I've been fooling around here with philosophy and psychology, and here it is for thousands of years. People have known that man is an endless, if you're asleep, they describe the state of sleep wherein you're nothing but just an endless string of unrelated eyes. Suddenly you're saying, well, I believe so-and-so, and then two minutes later, you don't see the notion. You go, well, I think so-and-so, and it's just the opposite of what you said. There's nothing stable in a man. It's none but just these Johnny you know, com coming and going eyes. 
And the whole point of trying to struggle to awaken is to overcome that. Not one person, not in writing, that has ever followed that course and been able to lecture persuasively, which it is persuasive, it was to me, and obviously many other people, but that man is nothing, he has no solid eye as he is because he's asleep. And the way you can tell you're asleep is, it's just one eye after another. Just one replace another, and then another, and then another. And not one person ever stopped and looked at that and actually woke up to what's going on. Why is that? Well, you're asleep. No, 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 don't, don't, don't keep telling me that. What's going on? If that were literally true, you would not have a coherent sense of you. You would be literally playing out the Vedic idea that with each and every breath of Brahma, and I say to yourself, of yourself, that you are living and dying. You don't have to wait for a Brahman to live where it is 200,000 years, and he breathes once, and the universe comes in to existence, and then he exhales finally 200,000 years later, and it goes out. With each and every breath, you create the universe. As I was pointing out, if you notice, it seems. I left it to you. I don't want to tell you exactly. I was giving you something to do. That thoughts that a person has that seem to be of some significance, they never last. I suggested you to check it out any longer than it takes you to breathe one time. The eyes come and the eyes go, but if that was literally true, then you would be so fragmented that there would be no coherent you that we would not know who you are from one second to another. You would not know who you are. And in a sense, that is what those kind of mystical systems say, that a man does not know who he is because he is not one solid I. He's just these series. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that was neat. That, that intrigued me. I played with that a long time. But there is still a coherence, a feeling of a coherent I in each of us. You just don't think about it. You don't analyze it. But I, I worked on that a long time. I, that really intrigued me. I don't know what it does you, and I don't know how to describe it. But of just saying, why do I feel like I'm me? I know I got my body. Yeah, yeah. But why? Realizing that my mind is just completely here and there, and it can be self-contradictory. In spite of all of that, and sometimes, from some views, my own personal view, as I used to think, from some views, at times I can be a real pain in the ass. I can be one prick. Now, at other times, I can apparently be very caring. At times, I can be overbearing. Then I can be frightened as hell. And I thought, but I still have this sense that I'm still me. Where does it come from? How is it? I'm just always looking, how? How can I explain this? How can I see it? I'm telling you one way, because I'm telling you this state of being asleep the state of there being apparently, almost apparently, random, unrelated, useless, meaningless, unceasing activity of the brain that we call thinking is serving the purpose from one model of creating a coherent, unified, lifelong sensation to each of us of a self. This constant rehashing of the past, don't you see? That alone 
it's like it's like you're trying to shore up this house. You're con you're continually trying to make sure the foundations are good, and you keep cramming all this crap under the house like it won't collapse. I keep rethinking of all the things I've done, and every time I think about them, they even become better. They become more like me. Think about it. The thoughts become more like me. Well, it's more like the me that I should have been. And it's not you doing it. It's your brain doing it. And now you are as aware of it. And remember, we're the only ones on the planet that's even aware of it. Everybody else is aware of it if you say you're not aware of it. And they go, oh, yeah, I am. But they're not. They never even thought about it before until you said that. And they went, well, shit, hell yeah, I'm aware of it. What do you think I am? You think I'm a, I'm a moron or something? I'm not aware of what I think. I gave that up a long time ago because <laughs> I realized nobody. If I ever found somebody that went, wow, you're right. I thought, come over here. Let's have a cup of coffee. The rest of the world, they go, you're crazy. I think about what I, th I'm aware of what I think all the time. In fact, let me tell you some of the things that bother me. Okay, let me go get a pack of cigarettes. Wait right here. I'll be right back. <laughs> of course, run for your life. This noise, as I say, including dreaming, I'm glad you enjoyed that. I was hoping you would. That all of it can be seen to be serving a truly beneficial, physiological, neurological, of course, ordinary people then would want to say psychological. It's not necessary, but serves a beneficial purpose. Of course, now I hadn't gotten any further than that tonight, but remember, it's your brain doing it. Our psychology doesn't do it. We don't have a psychology. Our childhood didn't make us think your brain is producing thoughts. We are some way able to be aware of them, enough that we can talk about them. <laughs> They're just there. And rather than look at that state of thinking that ordinary, ordinarily is going on day and night as being state of sleep and just missing it. Well, you can go ahead and agree with me or find your own pejorative terms for it, wasteful, mechanical, dumb, irrelevant, annoying. Yeah, 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 yeah. But what is it doing? It's as though the brain, for whatever reason, life through the rest of our organism, through the nervous system, not only produced a brain in us and other primates, but got ours to the point of producing thoughts. And the, the ones that we, that I, that mystics refer to in generally as the state of being asleep, that that is what constitutes your, quote, state of consciousness. Rather than looking at it as being absolutely meaningless and annoying, it is sustaining, showing up, supporting, continually reinforcing the sensation that there is a you that is doing the thinking. Now that qualifies for being asleep. Not the thinking, but the not understanding of what I just said. Because if you think that you are thinking, then even though there is no such thing as being asleep, you are. But just think, your brain is on duty. Your brain wants us, me, you, wants you to believe that there is a you, that there is some sort of you somewhere in you, that there is a you having thoughts. I'll leave it to you. Tell me I'm wrong. What else can you make of it? Your brain. Of course, life, you can say, wants you to. And I have 
additional supportive, I think you'll find interesting models if I ever get around to them, of how you can even look at this at a greater depth. But right now you're faced with this, to work in the most, to work in the logical manner, forgive me for saying it, is to start with the fact that it's your brain producing these thoughts. It's just a brain activity, and it results in, the brain has arranged it in some way, for what, some purpose, for you to think that there is a you, something apart from the brain having the thoughts. You've got to be able, all of you by now, to take a quick look every now and then and to realize there is no you in there. There's the thoughts going on, and you can say, well, I, I, I was having those thoughts. No, you weren't. No. There is no you in there. There's the thoughts, and that's it. There is this astounding, if I may be so bold, I'm sure life won't, life doesn't blush easy. There is this astounding illusion, this breathtaking and funny, if you've got a perverse sense of humor, <laughs> illusion that is produced in everybody that the thoughts are something other than they are. The thoughts produce the illusion to conclude for the night, the illusion that there's a you in there having the thoughts. And I say that it's quite obvious that one solid, valid view of the state of sleep, the nonstop, apparently meaningless activity of the brain, wherein it is lying to us, replaying the past in a way that didn't happen, imagining the future in a way that we will never experience, and then dreaming at night when we don't even have to. You think, well, at least shut up when I'm asleep. <laughs> the brain, from this model, is doing that to support, to maintain a coherent illusion of there being a consistent you. The brain making you think about yourself is what keeps you yourself. Well... I repeat, I just, I hope that all of you, at least individually, if there's a hundred of you hearing me now on tape, that if you just have one hundredth as much fun. <laughs> oh, what's to tell you? That kind of stuff to me, this may not sound right, is almost as much fun as being awake. Is all the great experiences, all the great episodes. It's almost as much fun. Seeing this, and it means nothing. Being awake means something. This means nothing. I'm just describing that which doesn't exist, but in a whole new way. In a way I look and I go, well, this thing that doesn't exist, here's the reason. Here's another reason, and I just never saw it like that. It's to keep the illusion going. And then it hit me, that's why you dream. It's like the brain doesn't want to take any chance. <laughs> it's like the old joke about, you know, used to, back when we picked on... You know, Pollocks, and this is why won't they let Pollocks take, uh, you know, breaks off the assembly line. You know, won't let them take a coffee break because you've got to retrain them if they're gone away from the job for 15 minutes. All right, I see it as the brain because as soon as I saw this model, it was just very short. Like, still, remember, it wasn't long that then it just suddenly came over. That's what dreaming is. All this shit about people trying to analyze and we're working out problems at night. Fuck that. It's the brain afraid that if we had eight hours Every day to where we weren't still, you know, the solution was going on that we're in there. 
that you might wake up in the morning and you were free of it. And your brain had to in some way catch back up. In other words, retrain you. You're, you're off the assembly line for 15 minutes and you forgot how to do your job. It has to start all over like, come on, God damn it, it's you. It's the brain saying you're producing these thoughts going, this is you, this is you. They're not trying to hypnotize you. Or if you want to tell the story, it's the ventriloquist. Having to stick its hand up your cold back every morning going, come on, get that little jaw working, come on. It's you, it's you, it's you. And you had to go, uh, uh, and you know, finally maybe you go, God, it is me. But as long as you're dreaming, you wake up and you're already at full speed. You just slip right in from dreaming that you were dreaming. Well, and you wake up and go, well, that was me dreaming. See, he's got you. The brain's got you. You thought, well, I was just dreaming. Now I'm awake. Phew, I was dreaming something, you know, really frightening. But, oh, thank God, now I'm awake. <laughs> and it got you. You understand? The whole illusion, it just flows right along. No abrupt changes. Tell me that I am not correct. Tell me that that is not beautiful. And so rather than looking at it as being some anomaly, some waste of time, something that's useless, I'm saying it is the brain looking after whatever interest it has and making us think that we're doing what it's doing. That is the illusion that there's an us in there because that's exactly what's going on. As I said, if you continue to find this interesting, I've got even right below that level, like, what could be going on and you can see it not just speculation you just look at what's going on so I hope at least all of you will appreciate your dreams more I hope, I hope you appreciate in the full sense of the word the state of being asleep well sure you don't like it if you're like me but my God if the brain hadn't given the illusion that we were us then we wouldn't be trying to wake up. We wouldn't be having this fun. Most fun would have, as I guess would be like big gorillas would eat, fool around with sex a little bit, and then not bad mouthing it, but then lay down in the tall grass on your back, spread out in the sun. That's all we'd be doing. But thank God the brain. <laughs> A gorilla can do that because he doesn't know, he doesn't think that there's a him in there. Because if he did, he'd be thinking, I should be doing something more constructive. <laughs> I should be mowing this grass instead of laying in it. I should, be, I should be painting the car. I should be helping the old lady. I should be looking for a better him. Of course, we can laugh at that, or I can, because at least I, I'm past that. I think, how could I be making greater efforts to awaken? That's a real improvement, isn't it? <laughs> Shows how much more intelligent I am than some dumb gorilla or some ordinary person. Like, well, I should be looking for a better job. Oh, no, I'm way above that. How could... <laughs> I still want to bring in a gorilla and let him teach us how to awaken. For those of you who don't remember, that, that used to be one of my plans. But my plans was to find an awakened person and put him in a gorilla suit. But I could never find an awakened person that would look at the gorilla suit. They all go, I'm not getting in that. So 